You are listening to The Airing Cupboard, the podcast where the extraordinary stories of ordinary people get an airing. Phew, that's a mouthful. Welcome back into The Airing Cupboard. This week I am on my own. It is just you and I in the airing cupboard. The weather outside is pretty grim. Um, autumn has definitely arrived here in, in England and um, it feels like it's been raining for days. It's a dismal day, very dark. And so I am quite happy. I have retreated to the confines of my airing cupboard and I'm feeling quite snug in here. There is obviously no windows. I can't see the, the daylight, but um, For those of you who remember, there is a boiler and so it means that it is very nice and warm and I'm feeling quite comfortable. I am very happy because recently, in the last two weeks or so, I have received quite a few new stories, all sorts of different stories and that gets me always very excited to, to discover them when I first receive them. One thing that I must say that surprised me is that each one of you who has given me a story always said the same thing. You always thought that your story might not be interesting. You always thought that it might not be enough to voice. And obviously, it's never the case. Each story is wonderful and extraordinary. So please just be daring and uh, call me or email me and drop it to me. So the story I'm going to voice today is one of those stories. It's, um, it's a girl that called me one day when I was in the car waiting to uh, pick up my children. I didn't have that much time. The phone rang and she explained me her story in the 15 minutes over the phone. And she preferred not to have a voice appearing on the, on the audio, but um, I thank her very much. It's a very moving story. So this is Louise's story, but she prefers being called Lou. So it was one of those um, sad and dark Friday evenings when London looks grey and no fun and the tiredness of the commuter is almost palpable. So she had finished work a little later than usual and uh, she was looking forward to an evening with her husband and a few friends in a nice pub in Shoreditch. Indeed, they had quite a bit of celebrating to do. Her husband had just received a big promotion at work. And of course, it meant a bit more work for him, but it also meant a little more money. And with that little more money, the promise of a change in their lives. They had been married for four years. Sadly, they hadn't started a family yet. So they both wanted to have children, but they just hadn't come. It wasn't fault of trying and, and hoping, so dearly hoping. She had been pregnant more than once, The first signs, the sore breast, the restless nights, counting the days passed over the 28 days mark, 
and the tiniest of hopes, growing into the wildest of wish and intense desire. Could she be pregnant? And then the test, that little blue dot, confirming it. She is expecting a baby. They are going to be parents. And the elation. And quickly, the fear and anxiety. Wishing for this pregnancy to be different from the others. Not wanting to move. Not to exert herself just to lay there utterly focused on a womb. Praying that this little promise of a baby would hang in there and developed safely. And then the cramps. The undeniable signs that this pregnancy wasn't to be again. The tearing, the pain. Not the physical pain, the other kind of pain. The one that broke her heart. The pain that left her listless on her bed, lying flat on her back, with her eyes on the ceiling, wondering why her tummy wasn't a safe harboring place for a new life to start. The pain that would isolate her from others, from her friends, her family who had no idea about what she was going through, and the pain that even put a distance between her husband and herself. With each of her miscarriages came a little more distance. Each one chipped sneakily at the magic of lovemaking and nest building. Of course, they had consulted doctors and fertility clinics. There was nothing wrong with her and, and nothing wrong with her husband either. All was in working order. Physically, they seemed there were no obstacle to them conceiving a baby and for her to go through a healthy pregnancy. No one could really help them. One doctor had spoken about changes, life changes. He had said that sometimes, and with no clinical backup, changes of work, diet, house could have some sort of incidence. So with this new work promotion for her husband, who knew? Maybe they could move flats, or maybe she could change jobs. So yes, she was excited and happy to see him, to see their friends, and maybe, just maybe, start this new chapter of their lives. But before the drinks in Shoreditch, she had to get there. And she had to take the London Underground and the dreaded Central Line. Now, anyone who works in London knows how congested the Central Line gets at peak time. And to make the matter worse on that Friday, someone had decided to press on the emergency button further up the line. So after boarding a very packed train, a moment after, it stopped and the engine went quiet. It was bad. Lou was standing up. Bodies against bodies. Some wet because of the rain that fell all afternoon. 
everyone was tired. People listening to their music, podcasts, some tall man's neck all curled up in the curve of the door. Nobody was speaking. Some people closed their eyes. The atmosphere was heavy and hot. There was no air. And that is when she noticed her. She was little and very thin, maybe 30 years old. Her hair was up in a messy bun and she was wearing a very smart black raw silk shirt. She was only a few inches away from her, on her left. Lou was facing her, but all she could see of her was her profile. She was wearing a dainty little gold earring in the form of a bee. And she was crying, silently crying, amazingly lonely in this sea of people. And then the tube started moving. More air, more wind, huge noises from the creaching wheels of the train on the rails. Lou couldn't take her eyes away from her. The girl was trying to control her emotions, biting a bottom lip. And then the wave would come over again. Her nostrils would pulse very fast. Her throat would move and her eyes would well up and the tears would eventually roll out of it, like when a glass is too full and cannot contain any more. Tiny little rivers on a thin face, tears pulling up on the corner of her nose where she had the smallest of piercing. She was crying, quietly, so alone and yet so close to tens and tens of people. She was desperately sad and no one noticed her. And that vision of her became overwhelming. So Lou extended her arm to touch hers. She turned her face and looked at Lou's. And there, in her dark eyes, she saw all her pain. And over the noise, Lou said, Are you all right? The girl looked at Lou for a moment and said yes with her head. Then Lou extended her hand again and stroked the top of her arm and she smiled in her tears. Stations came and went and Lou tried not to look at her anymore and somehow she moved herself so that someone's shoulder would be sheltering her face from a view. She just didn't want her to, um, to know that she could see her crying. But when Lou's station came and she started making her way through the bodies to exert herself from the carriage, she felt a hand on her arm slightly holding her back. Lou turned. It was her. Her face was quieter now and she simply said, Thank you. This girl with the bee earring stayed with her in her head for a long time and often she would go back to that extraordinary moment in the jam-packed carriage and wondered about the peculiarity of loneliness in a crowd.
and somehow that had an echo in her. She had often felt lonely when with people. Loneliness is a sneaky one, taking hold of us when we don't always expect it. Life went on. As it happened, her husband and herself didn't move flat. She didn't change work, and her diet remained the same, and no baby decided to call her Tommy home. It must have been about six or eight weeks after the incident in the underground. Lou's day hadn't started well. She had decided to take a bus instead of the underground that morning to go to work, and um, she found herself sitting across a man who was carrying the sweetest and tiniest of child. The baby, a little girl, was three months old, maybe. She was resting comfortably on her father's chest, and one of her little socks had come off leaving her delicious, fat little foot bare. The man was fondling it tenderly, pushing his thumb into the arch of the little foot, and at every pressure the little toes would fan out. There was so much tenderness, sheer comfort and discreet happiness there. She was mesmerized, and also utterly lost, as her longing for fondling a little fat foot was overwhelming and was giving her almost physical pain. So she looked away and put a cheek against the steamy, dirty window of the bus. And that felt better than looking into the direction of the man and the baby. And then she arrived at work, and she could feel there was some excitement. People, mostly women, were surrounding her colleague Lizzie. They were speaking and asking questions in a way she understood immediately for having witnessed it before she was expecting a baby. Lou joined the group, and with her best smile, she extended her congratulations and told her how, how happy she was for her. What a wonderful news. She went back to her desk and stared at her computer screen. And that is when it started. A wave of sadness, a huge wave, gathering height and strength as it was reaching the shores of her heart. She knew she couldn't resist it for long, so she rushed out of the office. She needed air. She managed to reach the front door and walked into the busy streets, and that is when the wave broke and the tears came. She let her back slide against the wall of the building, and there, sitting down, unaware of passerby, she sobbed. She cried and cried for all those babies that hadn't been hers for her useless womb. And in her tears, she noticed two feet in front of her. They were not going anywhere. 
smart coat shoes, black tights. Lou looked up and she saw her. And she saw Lou. It was her. The woman from the underground, the girl with the bee earring. The moment stood still as they both gasped at each other. And the girl with the bee earrings bent down. She sat on her heels and looked into Lou's face and she just said, Are you okay? And Lou felt the warmth of her hand squeezing the top of her arm. And this is how the story ends. But for what I understand, very little was said between them. I know that the girl gave Lou a business card. And I don't know if they will stay in touch and what life holds for them. A friendship? Maybe it was just a beautiful meeting. Those moments when the attention of a stranger makes the whole difference. I don't know. This only happened a few weeks ago, so maybe one day we might get a little update on this story. I hope you've enjoyed Lou's story. I certainly have. It's moved me very, very much, and I thank her. So I wish you all a very good two weeks, and until we meet again in the airing cupboard. Goodbye.